Okay, welcome Noah Lampert to the show, um, Elemental Awakening. Um, you come highly recommended. We've spoken a few times before through a mutual friend, Jennifer Sodini, I love her and her work. I'm really excited to get into this talk today with you because of some of the things that you talk about in your podcast. So welcome to the show. Say hello. Tell people who you are, what you do, and we'll jump right in. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Noah. I have a podcast called Synchronicity. I'm a musician. I am now changing external reality by changing myself, and it's super fun, and I'm teaching people how to do that too. I've opened up to that as a thing and it's super easy and you prove it to yourself. Don't take my word for it. Awesome. Awesome. So we were just, you know, we we're just having a little bit of a chat right before we hit the record button here and we figured, you know, we might as well be sharing this because it's super interesting chat about, um, you know, the way we're seeing the world. We started off by saying, how are we doing? And Noah was feeling wonderful. And I said, I'm doing amazingly great. And we just talked about how a lot of responses we typically get are not like that. We hear a lot of not bads. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a real awakening for me in my journey was when I wasn't doing so well and I just opened a float center and one of my mentors, when he asked me how it was going, said, yeah, it's okay. These things take time. You know, it's been kind of a struggle. I was like, listen, do you hear what you're saying right now? You are creating that. And I think that's, that's exactly what we were just talking about. So, so share a bit about what you're really into right now and um, some of the things that you're helping people with. We'll go from there. Well, I'll start by saying that I've always been into the concept of mind over matter or the esoteric or the metaphysical. And I've had direct experiences and glimpses of what I considered like the way the world really works, but I'd inevitably kind of come back down to this base level consciousness where I'd, I just, I'd assume that there's an external reality. It imposes its will on me. I react to it. And that's just how the world works. And I carried that around for most of my life for 35 years. And then seemingly all at once during this past eclipse season, shit just started to change. I found some techniques. They were empirical. They were testable. They were not reliant on any diet or exercise or, you know, way of thinking. They were just empirically, empirical testable techniques. And so I started employing them. I started with really basic shit like money. I had just had our second son. I, I freelance most of my life and it's good money, but you're constantly tied to clients and there's not a tremendous amount of freedom. And I work fast, so I would even have that freedom, but you're constantly tethered to other people. So I was like, I don't want, I was like, I just want income that I enjoy making that's recurring, that maybe I just set something up and it does its thing and I don't have to worry about it. And this is like, everyone wants that clearly. But I started using these techniques, um, primarily based on a 20th century mystic uh, whose name is Neville Goddard, who is more popular now than um, ever before, but I had never heard of him. And How I just, do you spell that? Neville? Neville, N-E-V-I-L-L-E, -E, Goddard, G-O-D-D-A-R-D. And cool. I'll tie this together so people can go and listen to him. So like I... I heard, I had Mitch Horowitz, this guy, Mitch Horowitz, who lives on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And I always am in the city and Duncan Trussell, my friend recommended I have Mitch on. So I was like, all right, let me do this. So he just just written a book and there was an audio version. I was getting super into audio books. Um, and I listened to his book called The Miracle Club. And he spoke about this dude called Neville Goddard. And the way he's reading his, he's narrating his own book. So you can hear his voice. And there was something in the way he spoke about this dude, Neville Goddard, that I was like, oh, whoa. Like he loves this guy. Like there's something there. Like he spoke about a lot of people and they all sound pretty cool. But I was like, there is something there. So I followed the thread. So I went on this ancient peer-to-peer -peer file sharing service, like a Napster clone from back in the day called SoulSeek. And I typed in Neville Goddard. And, and I love that the name is Soul Seek for this thing. It's so great. But there was like 80 talks from this dude from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get all these. They're terrible quality. There's like this fuzz. It's like crackling. There's hisses. I'm like, ah. You got to work for it. You got to work for that. Work for it. And <laughs> but I'll tell you what I did, my friend. So here I'm listening. I'm mowing the lawn. I'm jacking this shit up to a million. It's hurting. But I'm, I'm like, there's something about this guy's voice. There's something about the things he's saying 
like something is here. My conscious mind was like, kind of like, this is interesting. I kind of understand it, but there was some deeper part of me that's like, this is crack. Like you have to keep going back to this pipe because this shit, there's something there. I don't know if crack's the best analogy, but it, it was a compulsive thing that I was doing unconsciously. Anyway, he starts talking about how your imagination creates reality and that this sense of I am is essentially everything. It's the universe, it's God, it's source, it's literally everything. And that is in your sense of I am is that. And I was like, hmm, this is weird. This is really weird. And then he starts talking about he's really into the Bible. I grew up Reformed Jewish, so like Jewish light. Like I was not very religious at all. Old Testament, not very much into. God kind of seemed like a dick. And the New Testament, like Jesus seemed cool, but I didn't really know that much about it. But I did have a crazy experience 16 years ago where I basically ended up in a state not dissimilar to how I feel now, but it was very unbalanced, but everything was working kind of the same way. Like I would think of something, it would immediately happen. I'd have a dream and it would happen the next day. It was just nonstop for three months. But one aspect of that experience was I felt like Jesus Christ. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like me. And I'm like, why do I feel like this is weird? Like I had the, I had the awareness that I was like, huh, feel like Jesus Christ, but this is fucking bonkers. Like, I know I'm not. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a crazy guy in the street yelling at people, but I felt like it. But anyway, I hear, flash forward to about four months ago, I hear this guy talking about Jesus Christ. And he's like, listen, every character in the Bible, it's not a historical account. It's just not. What it is, is they're all psychological states that every individual moves through and experiences. And if you know how to look beneath the surface and look at all these things symbolically or like metaphors, you actually get a blueprint for what it's like to awaken to who you really are in your own head. And that state culminates in the state called Jesus Christ, which is you wake up in the place of your skull, the base of your skull, Golgotha, and you go, Jesus Christ, holy shit. Now that freaks people out almost all the time when that happens and they attribute it to like a drug experience or a meditative experience or a relationship or anything but they don't accept the fact that oh my god i think that actually is waking up what the fuck is that so anyway he's talking about all this stuff and i'm like all right this is weird and he has this cool barbados accent he's like you know david is jesus and jesus is david and i'm like what the fuck is this guy talking about but anyway he has these techniques they're very simple i started using them um, and I was writing these things down. And then like within the first day, weird shit started to happen. Like synchronicity started popping up all over the place. And I have a podcast called Synchronicity. So I'm usually not surprised by any type of Just like, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I know what it, this is. I've experienced yeah. it. I recognize it. It's, you know, a good sign. But weird shit started to happen. And then within a month, little things started appearing that validated like my money stuff. And so what I started to do, it's all related, is I, would, I was cleaning up these Neville Goddard talks. I was putting them up on YouTube, and I'm an audio engineer. I went to school for this, so I was making them more audible. Like, you could hear them clear, more clearly. So people, I recognized, like, if this shit's working for me, it sounds good. Maybe I should just put this up. Originally, for me. I was like, for me, I want to put these up so I can listen to them on the go. But then I started monetizing. I have a podcast network, uh, had just enough subscribers to monetize, um, and then the portal opened, man, and it just fucking went bananas from there. I got everything I wrote down. My hit rate was a thousand percent. And then what I started realizing what was going on is rather than just focusing on material or relationship type of things is you can actually appropriate higher states of consciousness. And what I mean by that is not some esoteric metaphysical thing, although it is, I just became fearless. I dropped anxiety, I dropped doubt, I healed relationship karma, I healed relationships in myself, I healed trauma. And I'm doing this like pretty much like within the span of most of the work was done probably like within a month. And I was like, oh my God, like I can't believe this is happening. And like, I'm getting the external validation. This isn't just in my head. Like it's one thing if it's just in your head, that's cool. But when it unfolds in this world and you start seeing this happen, it's another thing. And then I was like, oh my God, like I can, I know if this is working for me, I, and I know what I did and I'm very clear on what I did. Cause this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me. I wonder if I can say this and other people can do it. And then I started doing that. Cause I had this podcast I had built up for like four years and then shit just went, it's just gone ape shit. It's just like the best in the world. Yeah. So can you give me an example of an external validation that was just like, this is too 
fucked up to be a coincidence or a synchronous. This is like so clear. Was there, is there one that stands out among, among the many? It's constant, but the big ones I would focus on um, are money because I had a very, I wouldn't say, I mean, it was dysfunctional. It wasn't like a horrible relationship. Like I always had enough, but like it was, I didn't, it wasn't comfortable. And um, I had experienced having a lot of money and not having to worry once before. So I knew what the feeling felt like. And a lot of these techniques essentially boil down to just feeling differently. That's the whole thing. And it's like mm -hmm. a trick kind of, but like when you use these techniques, you can kind of like put your logical analytical mind on hold, use one of these things, convince yourself it happens, deal with what I refer to as threshold guardians. And this is, this is like one of the biggest things that came up is threshold guardians are things like fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, or even external circumstances. Like you're about on the cusp of some big breakthrough and then everything outside of you goes fucking haywire. Most times you react, you, you, you do react to that thing and you lose the state. But if you recognize your current state of consciousness is always being reflected back to you, like always, literally always, you then can kind of internally move past these states and recognize them for what they are. And there's some sticky ones but rather than looking at them some like evil, horrible thing, you go, oh, this is an opportunity for me to like really clearly understand something. And then I can actually potentially take that. And if it works for me, tell someone else about it. And then if that works for them, and then we just walk into the best versions of ourselves and then we have a better plan. But anyway, I, I dodged your question. The money was the main thing, relationship stuff. I had clear relationship patterns and karma that were destructive to myself and the people around me. And I started playing this out immediately when I started waking up and stabilizing these states of consciousness. Same pattern, same pattern. Oh my God, it's crazy. Amplified, amplified. But I caught it this time, dealt with the shit above board, super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable for everyone involved. Not fun, but I dealt with it and it, boom, transmuted. Done, understand what's going on, feel so much better. So oh my God. Yeah, yeah. That Amazing. Yeah, there's so many points I want to touch on that you just mentioned. Um, I'll start with the one that's the freshest in my mind. So I 100% I, I agree that your external reality is reflecting something internally that you have to deal with. And then once you have that awareness, you start making these changes, obviously, things really start to change quickly. Yeah. So then with that sort of um, understanding, what do you think the purpose of this life is then? Because if your whole reality is a reflection of what's going on inside, like what do you think the point right. of it all is? Oh, and I mean, a deep question. So, well, the point of it is it's whatever you make it. We mm. take this life to be so serious and so high stakes, and it's not. And that sucks for people to hear because for those of us who have children, the love of a child is something that we don't want to say is not high stakes. We don't want to say it's not real. We don't want to say it's illusory. But the fact is, this world is essentially a shadow, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's this world. It doesn't mean it's dead in the sense that like it's, ugh, it's gross, it's horrible. It just means it's an after effect. It starts up here in our consciousness. We can prove that to ourselves empirically. Empirically, that's the most important part of this. It's not take my word for it type shit. It's empirically. And when you do that, you know, you start to realize like there, what Rumi was saying about there's a field beyond right and wrong. I'll meet you there. Like, that's not just a nice thing to say that sounds good and feels good, even though you might not, you know, you might get it on some level. It's hundred percent true. True. Advaita Vedanta, non-duality show you that unity consciousness exists. You can move there whenever you want. What I think the function and purpose for most of us here is, is to transcend our limited versions of fear-based stuff, to learn how to control our minds and thoughts and emotions. Because if, if you want to experience what it's like to not have a body, you don't have to die. Most of us think you do. Close your eyes, do these imaginal techniques that I pepper in everywhere, and essentially think of something. You're there. Now imagine not being binded and crucified to this body and physical reality, and then think about how you normally think. If you laid out all your thoughts throughout the day and looked at them on a, a scroll of paper, you'd probably be like, what the fuck is the matter with me? Why did I think this about myself? Why did I imagine all of these things? So the trick is, is try to discipline, get your mind in the right place, learn how to control it, control your mental diet, as Neville Goddard refers to it as, and then do whatever the fuck you want. Do it lovingly. Do it benevolently. There are practical, just like common sense reasons to do that. It's a, just to be clear, like this is a neutral principle. 
look at the world. This, this is not a utopia yet. So we know that this function and this mechanism, this law is not like you have to use it for good, but you should for some very clear reasons. And then that's when you start getting into like ethical frameworks, like the golden rule. It's pretty much mm-hmm. all you That's mm-hmm. it. Awesome. Yeah, that's really good stuff. So you, you mentioned the word uh, crucified to this body. Is that, do you feel, find that or feel that's a metaphor in the Bible for, for something when, when you were talking about that state of the Jesus Christ state? Um, is there a relationship with, with that yeah. phrase? Yeah. So the way I'd, the story I'd use to kind of define what I think happens to the unity consciousness where we fracture off into these individual senses is, so there's this omnipresent, omnipotent being. It's called they, or he, she, whatever, just everything. And they, they're like, hey, I'm bored. <laughs> like, it's great having and doing and being everything, but like, this is kind of boring. I want to like do something. So this being starts creating all this stuff, right? Let's just go back to Genesis, right? Tree, animal. Well, right right back there. Things. Yeah, just right back to Genesis. <laughs> this is a good place to start, right? So you go back, it's, this being starts creating all these things and all this stuff. And then it gets to humans and it creates humans. And it's like, oh, wow, these things are cool. But if you were a kid and never played with like dolls or toys, and you know, it's, it's not real. You're picking it up, you're moving it. And it's the whole imaginal world in your head is amazing and it feels real and it's great, but you know still that this is a Ninja Turtle or this is a Barbie, right? So this being is like, oh man, I know. I know what I got to do. I know what I got to do. I got to kill myself and die into these. And then they'll be real because it'll be me and I'm everything. And what I'll do is I'll pre-program a story in for every single thing I incarnate into to wake myself up to who I actually am. But I'll still stay these things so I'll have the best of both worlds. So essentially, God descends to or source, whatever you want to call it, energy descends into humans So it can experience what it's like to be a human and humans ascend to the level of God while they're human so they can feel what it's like to be God. It's a lot of responsibility. Essentially what I'm saying, and this is why the rational and logical mind can really bat this around, and this is why you have to empirically and and deal with that part of yourself, is the amount of responsibility for your life and everything in your, like everything in the world, like everything is yours. It's yours. So that means if you have a thought of someone and you have a strong imagination and you're tapped into how things really work, your conception of that person creates that. And that's a lot of responsibility for people because when we start judging and reacting to things and we have strong imaginations, we reinforce someone's behavior. We reinforce a picture of how they are. And that's too much responsibility for most people to deal with because when we think of just our regular limited versions of our lives or individual lives and don't think of ourselves as God and responsible for everything, we're like, nah, like this shit is already too hard. Like I don't need everything, you fucking idiot. Like I'm going to back off that concept for a little bit, but it, it is true still regardless. Yeah. It's super interesting that um, the Bible as a state of mind, as a consciousness, each, each character. I had an ayahuasca experience once where I, I experienced a crucifixion and yeah. I wasn't sure if I was just being shown it, but vision. before I could ascend or die, which I didn't know was realize was happening. I had to understand that I had to detach all of my um, judgments to all those around me that were crucifying me, compassion, yeah. love, just like detach. There's zero like emotional attachment to anything that happened to me as far as like anger, fear, nothing. And then it was like, okay, now we can go. And I was like, holy shit. But realizing that it wasn't a Jesus experience, it was maybe a reflection of a state of uh, consciousness that I could experience. Now it just like totally shifted my perception of that whole experience. Yeah, it, it, that, that, that unbinding, that dropping of the weights is what most people don't think about when they're in a state of consciousness that is binding. Because like what I learned with all of these techniques is at first, and I still put like material things and events, but I really now just started moving for a lot of I am statements, but also encompassing all of my things into grand states of consciousness. So I choose ecstasy, harmony, love, and balance. Those are like my go-tos and they encompass everything else. And the reason I choose something like ecstasy is like, if you're in a state of ecstasy, You cannot be anxious. You cannot be depressed. You cannot be 
any of those things that we typically associate with kind of limiting and constricting our consciousness. And as soon as you tap into one of those, if you choose to, you won't be in a state of ecstasy anymore. And, and I, I'm so aligned with your, frame, your framework here because when I was starting to play with my own manifesting techniques, at first it's obviously material stuff. Like I want this, I want that, I want this. But then you realize and you look around and I saw people around me that had all those things were fucking miserable, yeah, they had no, no friends and all these things. So I said, okay, let me just change the dialogue here. What do I really want? Freedom, love, abundance feeling states of consciousness, ecstasy, like you met, like you mentioned, and then those states will create these things around you. It'll just be part of your environment, but you won't be attached to them because you'll be attached or not attached to that experience. You'll be, um, it'll be flowing through. You'll be embodying it rather than being attached to something. Right. And here's the dance that I'm learning from some people who have been exploring these states of consciousness for longer than I have like stabilized is you can choose to go back into attachment. That's part of the dance that we want to do sometimes because it's fun. If you want to, yeah. If you want to, you don't have to. It's a choice. It's, all, it's a choice. Like taking this body is a choice. It's not like we're forced into it some bad shit we did. And this like brings in like all this stuff with like with the biblical and all of that stuff. Like I like to touch on the word sin because the word sin literally like the root word of it means to miss the mark. It does not mean you attach guilt to something, you attach shame to something, you attach negative things. It just means correct your fucking aim. That's all it means. And your aim is literally your desire. So here's the way I, I like revolve all this stuff together um, or, or tie it together is your desires are served up by the conscious aspect of your being. That is essentially... Again, I use the word God, universe, unconscious, uh, unconscious self, unconditioned awareness, They're Krishna, Buddha, all of these things are the same thing. They're all you. You can take them out of you and conceptualize them however you want. Just know it's all you. That's the real test. Know it's you. They're served up by your conscious mind. So you go, I want, I want a, a Lexus. You know, I want a new Lexus. And normally, if you're a spiritual, open person and are aware of the suffering of the world and look at the shit that's done and all these things you go <laughs> i don't want a lexus a lexus is bad it's materialistic that's not what i want but if you understand what's really going on that is the deepest part of your being god saying you want a lexus now you can pervert this and be like you know an osho or like one of these christian ministers and manifest like hundreds of benzes and fucking you know bentleys and all this shit that's not necessarily what's going to happen if you pursue a desire and it's for a Lexus, and you get that Lexus, and it proves to you that whatever you want in your mind, you can get. How many Lexuses do you really think you're going to need before you go, maybe I don't want material things. Maybe I just want to feel good all the time. Maybe I just want to be happy all the time. Can I use the same principle that I use to get this car, which I like? I love this car. If you really want a fucking Lexus and it makes you feel fulfilled, get the fucking Lexus. That was, that was my first example of realizing the shit works. It was unconscious. When I was in university, I had this picture of a BMW, which at the time was, was, was about to be released. I printed it off. I put it on my, where I, had, I would study. I had and, flex. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it was there. It was there for my whole university. And I would look at it every day. Oh, that car's so cool. And it wasn't until years later. Um, it was a 2000, this was like probably 2005, 2006. So 2011, 12, around that time, or 10, 11, whatever, it doesn't matter. I was cleaning out my closet and I found this stuff that used to be on my desk from university. And there's this picture of this BMW with this very rare, like blue metallic color. Um, and I go look outside and that exact car, exact color is sitting on my driveway because I drove it. I bought it used. I didn't get it brand new, but I created that in my mind and I attracted it into my awareness. I was like, holy shit, I did this without even trying. Like I didn't remember when I went to buy it that that was the same car. I didn't remember. Happened. It was like, boom. This is always happening. It doesn't just happen for things like that. You planted the seed, probably then focused. This is a, a stumbling block for a lot of people, and myself included, until I noticed it. You plant the seed, and then you may not trust or believe and have faith that it's actually going to happen, especially if it's like a time frame that seems totally improbable, like that can really trip you up. But what faith is, is just loyalty to the unseen world. You know, it's going to happen and you don't trick yourself and think of it and like, Oh, I hope I know it's going to happen. You go, that shit's going to happen. And literally what people don't understand is this is what's happening all of the time. Well, who's all the best right now at this ever? What do you mean in terms well, the of president of the United States? I know I bring him up all the time. He's, 
can I tell you something weird about him? Can I tell you something really weird about Donald Trump is, I'm like mimicking his hand, but like this dude, and this is my point that it doesn't have, this principle, this law is always in operation. His imagination is such that everyone, everyone besides him, I am sure his friends and his family, when he's like, I want to be president. They're all like, this guy's fucking off his rockers. Does he not know who he is? There's no way he's going to be president. We all thought this up to fucking election night. And this motherfucker's president, and he's probably going to be president again. Yeah. Like, that's what's crazy. So, like, it, it, his belief and his conviction and his certainty is on another level. And now, listen, I want to be clear about how he probably came to that certainty the modality that has run our world for the past at least 1500 years or so is power in the form of money. And he was handed a tremendous amount of money when he was born. That will instill a sense of confidence. It's not the only thing. There's a lot of people with money who are just total wimps and can't get it done, like he says. But he alchemized, he used that. He probably transmuted his like childhood trauma and rage too into like this supreme confidence and power in who he is. And he just ex expresses it out in the world. And it's just, people don't want to hear that. I, when I see Trump now, man, like honestly, he either makes me laugh and I recognize, I bear witness to all the objective evils that are going on there. I'm from a duality level. However, when I see him, I usually laugh because he's funny. Like he's just like, this is funny. People will look back and be like, holy shit, this was crazy. Like George Bush. People look back fondly of George Bush Jr. now and are like, he was so funny. I wish we had him. It's like, no, you don't. We orchestrate a lot of bad things too. But I also recognize what's going on with him. And I just send him tremendous amounts of love. And the version of him I think of is someone who eventually gets what's going on and doesn't collapse because of it. But then actually like, becomes a better person. A lot of people are imagining him in jail and jumpsuits. What they don't realize is they're imagining themselves in a type of jail and jumpsuit. That's it. You're just not going to imagine that. That's not what Trump's doing. So it bounces off of him and hits you. Guys, come on. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So, oh my God, there's so many other things I want to touch on. So um, one thing you mentioned earlier was you realized there's a few points in your life where you can manifest instantly things were happening. Was there some conscious things that you were doing? Was it because you're healthier? Or were there just periods in your life that this instant manifestation would just come like an energetic, you know, maybe it was the stars aligning for those periods or based. Right. Was, was there anything specific that you can attribute that to? Or was it just random moments where you just had this power to manifest instantly? I do think the modality of astrology um, is incredibly effective at identifying energetic patterns. So these planets are gods. They're deities. They're, they're, I don't mean this conceptually. I mean, those are the physical representations of gods. And so when you understand your gods and you understand your deities, you understand when might be a better time to do something and when might something be easier to pop open. Now, I say this to everyone who's getting into astrology and I'm like a preschool level understanding of it at this point, maybe getting into kindergarten, but you're your natal chart but you're also the whole fucking Zodiac, right? The Rastafarians have this concept and Rastafarianism is just strict biblical interpretation that says God incarnates in man. That's why they say I and I, there's the big I God and the little I, you and me. And basically you are the whole Zodiac. So you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. However, if you're trying to be like Hercules or Odysseus, and you want to go against the energy, you're still going to get to your destination at the end. But you may just be like, dude, you should have just like waited a little bit. Like you should have learned, like tuned into the concept of patience there rather than just plowing ahead and trying to manifest. So we, you can, here's the truth. When you, this really clicks in and I'm not, I'm like mostly clicked in. I'm clicked into the point where I feel good all the time, which is very, very awesome. I'm not clicked in to the point yet. I know this is probably coming where like you read about like Paramahansa Yogananda's like gurus like Lahiri Mahasaya and Sri Yukteswar where they're like snapping their fingers and like Yogananda gains 50 pounds. He's like, yeah, I had those 50 pounds for the rest of my life. Like that is possible. Those are cities. Those are powers. But I think for the most part, the most, you know, interesting aspect of all of this stuff is being able to share it. Um, in a fun way and not a like heavy way and, but still have depth. 
And that just seems to be the name of the game because we are kind of merging consciousnesses, not in like an esoteric way, but like we can kind of feel it, which is why mm-hmm. conversations just like when you're in a good conversation, you feel like buoyant afterward, like energetic. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying, something else coincided with this. I started exercising. I started eating way better. I stopped emotionally eating for the most part. Um, I became much more aware of how I was interacting with people. Um, I just got better insight into what I should be reacting to because when I realized it was my choice for real, um, just like you just start making better decisions. You have more clarity and you're like, oh, I'll just do that. And I will say this. Space Jam Juice, if you've seen the movie Space Jam, everything is Space Jam Juice. Everything is a placebo. But the Space Jam Juice known as microdosing LSD is greases the wheels for a lot of this stuff. It is mystical experience in a bottle that Albert Hoffman imagined into existence. He didn't get this shit on him. He's a Swiss chemist. He didn't fucking get LSD on him. That is very potent. Um, so, so tell me, so microdosing LSD, what, what, you know, we, we wouldn't recommend anyone taking any psychedelics, um, but if you feel called to go oh, on yeah, your own journey, you yeah. know, like that's totally up to you. It's your own decision. But for if you were to do it yourself, what would you what would you you know do as a microdosing sort of? Micrograms. Uh, I, I experimented with the Fadiman Fadiman. I don't know his name protocol at first, which was a couple of years ago. Every four days you take every fourth day rather you take uh, ten micrograms. So I played around with that. Had some pretty. And ten micrograms is something you would feel, or you wouldn't feel at all. I mean, listen, uh, you know. Uh, this day and age, I think 10 micrograms is an appropriate dose for most people. If you're blasting yourself off into space and you don't know what's going on, that's going to be real intense because we are in the thick of the unconscious waters flooding this world. So that's why people, you know, weed today can give people a trip. And I, I also, oh, I'm, I'm so, I smoke a lot of weed and I love it and it's the best and I love her and she's amazing for so many reasons. We don't have the time to get into all of them. <laughs> LSD for another podcast. Yeah, another podcast. LSD, I mean... You know, you do what works for you and you find the groove and you trust yourself. And that's a real big part of all of this. And it it goes to say with like your cautionary warning, like don't do something because you heard someone on a podcast talking about it. You need to know, like everyone around me in my life has done ayahuasca. Every single, my parent, like everyone, every single person I know, basically. I, and they all say, you'll have a calling. I haven't had the calling. So I don't go out seeking ayahuasca i don't need that i'll know when the time is right if i'm gonna do it that it's right and i'm also not pushing it away right so be careful you're not doing that but there are things that happen in one's life where you have opportunities and it's always a choice and when you trust yourself implicitly you know you can start taking advantage of those opportunities more often that's what i'll say with about Very that. cool. Yeah, great answer. Yeah, thank you. So let's switch gears here for a second. So um, some of the themes of my podcast is to obviously interview other podcasters. One, because I think the conversation just flows so amazing. And two, because when you when you interview a lot of other people, you gain so many different perspectives, you learn so many things. Okay. So how has that been as an experience? What, what, why did you want to get into podcasting in the first place? Was it because it was cool? Was it because like, what, what, what inspired you to become a podcaster? That's a good question. I started a podcast network before I became a podcaster. It had a lot of um, older generation, first, second wave generation teachers coming from spiritual lenses like Buddhism and Vedic places. Um, And there came a point a few years in, a couple years in where I realized I was doing the lion's share of the work. And there were also some interpersonal and professional disagreements that started to evolve. And I wish I could say like, I started a podcast cause like, I, I just knew like, it was like this, but it wasn't benevolent. It was a pure defensive tactic that I felt there was a chance that this thing I had created and sustained was going to be taken away from me. And I was like, I will be bitter. I know myself if that happens, it didn't happen, but if it, if it happens, I will be bitter and it will fuck me up and I don't want to go down that path. So let me start, a podcast. I can have conversations with, I've been doing it my whole life. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not uninteresting. And so that's why I started it. And it turned into something, as you know, when you, when anyone who does this and everyone's doing this all the time, whether the conversations are recorded or not, but you're expanding your awareness every time you come in contact with another person who's just a mirror of you, but a very, it's a different shape. It's a different size. And mm-hmm. it's really cool. And, you know, somewhere like 
probably like 80 or 100 in, I started realizing what it was doing to my mind. And I was like, wow, like this is really something. And then, you it's know. Like, it's like soul food, you know, just like it, it, it like. It is. But, fulfilling, it can, right? but it's life, right? What I realized the podcast is, is just if people are doing a certain type of podcast, like an interview style about things they're interested and care about, it's just a reflection of them. So you can see the ebb and flow of my life. Like if you start from the beginning, God, someone don't do this. But if you start, <laughs> I don't even know if I could listen to this. It's a different person. But if you start from the beginning, you'll see periods of my life. Like I have a kid, you know, like work is going really well, then shit happens. And like, you can see it. And then you can also see the episode you referred to imaginal techniques. Number one, like, Everything from there, you will actually, I hear it too. My voice sounds different. It's not the same voice. Like it's weird. Like I'm yeah. speaking more clearly. I understand things because what happened was I switched from speculating to like knowing. And it's, it's no, one, no one likes to be around and know it all, right? It's annoying. But when you know shit, you speak about it differently. When it's from direct experience and not like you pulled something from somewhere and you're going to repair it out, People know, even if they don't like it, they yeah. have to tolerate it. So. And, and you know, that's that's a, like the theme, the underlying theme of this whole podcast, Elemental Awakening. W would you say that was an awakening moment for you where where your perception changed around that episode? It, can you define a single moment or was it more of a gradual sort of uh, awakening for you? The biggest transition period that will always be marked in my life that I will never forget, I was in New York City. I was interviewing Mitch Horowitz, I was sitting in his living room, talking about all this type of stuff. And my wife was about to give, we were about to have a kid in 15 days. I get done with the podcast. I see there's a text from my mom saying my wife, Alexis, is in labor. I had been imagining using these techniques that it was going to be a very fast and very smooth birth. So I knew as soon as I got the text, it was done. So I get on the first train, I'm back. I'm on the train going out of the tunnel. I get the text from my mom, baby is here. Then I immediately hit the tunnel for 15 minutes. I don't know what the fuck is going on. So it's like the perfect metaphor for birth, right? It's like you're going through a literal tunnel. It's so fucking weird. I'm sitting next to a guy on a train who's like a businessman at a bank or something. And basically he, he has a sister whose daughter just gave birth right then too. I'm like, this oh, is wow. that marked. It marks such a huge shift in my belief in this stuff because it all happened at the same day i was talking about this stuff and it just it all happened and from there i just like i tested it so many other times and like i want to be clear that we've been talking about a lot of fun stuff and like when you're in flow and things are happening externally and you're getting that reflection it's easy to believe this stuff i went through a lot of experiences. My kid, our newborn was in the hospital. He's been in the hospital three times. He's fine. I just want people to know he's hundred percent fine. They were all minor incidents, but he was, you know, they didn't seem minor at the time to people looking in. This it passed me the way I, I would have collapsed. I would have freaked out. I would have been anxious. I would have been nervous. I would have been a fucking wreck. I was so fucking calm, dude. I was so, I knew it was going to be okay. I was sure of it. it. wasn't a doubt in my body. As soon as I clicked into that, when I went to the hospital each time, the room got brighter. He got better way faster each time. He just had this like hernia surgery. He just went back for the checkup. The, the doctor who's done like a million of these. She's like, I've never seen something here like this. There's no scarring. So weird. So like, that's the proof. When shit is going haywire around you and you have this sense of inner stability, that's what will convince you you're not crazy. That's what will mm. convince that this is a real thing is because you'll know there's a difference. You know how you reacted yeah. before and you don't that way, like something changed. So, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, thank you for that story. Uh, great example. Um, okay, so back to podcasts. We're still on the podcasting team. Who's the most interesting person you ever um, interviewed and why? That is a good question. I mean, there's so many people who are very interesting or like that blew your mind or like really stands out as like like no the one i just did with jessa um jessa reed who i just had on is someone who has really impressed me with her take on reality and her own experiences and also in terms of dishing out practical wisdom in like a fun cool way and that to me what it is what it's about like when you start adopting a persona of being like a teacher and like, oh, I have wisdom to communicate, like that shit sucks. No one wants to hear that. Like you're lame. Like you're probably just 
aping someone who really knows what they're talking about. Like anyone can go read a fucking book and like mm-hmm. see that shit again and put up on Instagram or whatever. And I'm not judging those people. I might, I'm recognizing that that happens. It's just don't do that because it won't help you and it won't help anyone else. So I find the people who are really able to communicate this shit in an authentic way of still being who they are. Like you can be God in you. I'm God and someone who still watches the Miami Dolphins blues every week. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the same. I still watch football. I think it's, it's interesting how you, you spoke about once you started experiencing yourself, your whole way of presenting change and the way you spoke change. I think that's important for people to have experiential knowledge. Like for me, if I even like want a therapist one day, I'd want someone who was depressed, had anxiety, maybe drug habit and got themselves out of it. So they, they know experientially what that is rather than, like you said, reading a book and reposting it. Cause that means nothing. You know what I mean? It, it can, people also can, t- I mean, listen, you can read a book and it can pop something else, especially if you're in an open state. So I don't want to just disparage like the wisdom of external sources or mirrors that are you, where you can mm-hmm. remember something like that's what I'm doing with like astrology. Like I'm, it feels like remembering astrology, not learning it. And we luckily have the internet where there's so much wisdom just posted everywhere. So it's got, it's good. But if you don't experience it, people will know especially nowadays, like it's very easy to tell when someone's bullshitting. Like I, I also just kind of like relate it to ads that I'm for sponsorships that I do on my podcast. You can tell when I fucking believe in something and you can tell when I don't. And there's nothing I can do to change. I can't lie to you about when I'm like, and that's, a, people look at that as like kind of a curse. Like people are like, I'm not a good liar. I, I, I used to be an amazing liar when I was a kid. I fucking lie to everyone. I could get away with shit. But the problem with lying and like not being authentic is you have to kind of like remember all of this stuff and it clouds your head. And it's like, rather than just being like yourself, you have to like keep track of everything. And it's like, Ooh, what did I say? to this? It's like, Oh my God. Like yeah, it's, it's yeah. very draining. Yeah. I, I know, I know the feeling. Cause as a, as a young, even teenager, I remember it was like for some reason white lies just started piling up and i started catching myself like i don't even know why i would say that for like like how far are you oh, i'm around the corner i'm not around the corner i'm going to be there probably in 20 minutes but i don't want to let you down and it's probably a lot of subconscious stuff that 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 that's underlying it but but like you said once you realize those patterns and realize that you don't need to do that it's it's like the weights come off because you're always going to be yourself you don't have to remember all those bullshit lies anymore and that, that was something I realized about lying before I would say like I really understood how reality works. Um, but, you know, once you understand the operative mechanism of how reality works, it doesn't drain the fun out of it. It's the opposite. It's not like you figured it out and you like burst into this ethereal cloud of dust and you're like, bye-bye. Like it's like you're still here. Then you get to start exploring all of your wishes, all of your desires, all of the ways things are in this world, how to make it a better place, how to make you, first you start with yourself. That's the truth. You, you just fix all of your shit. Mm. Make sure you're the best version of you. And then like, it's just really fun. That's all I can say. Even when it seems not fun to other people, like they're looking like, how could that be fun? It's like, it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah, cool. Um, okay. So uh, I want to ask you a couple more questions about podcasting. Um, so you have a podcast network, you're a podcaster yourself. I know a lot of people want to get into podcasting. Do you think um, there's still opportunity for people to create their own shows? Do you think it's, it's, it's viable as a business? Like what would you recommend to people wanting to get into it? Um, any, any quick tips of advice yeah. that you'd want to give to young and aspiring or old and aspiring yeah. podcasters? Um, and kudos for making the age encompassing the whole spectrum. There's no, there's no limit or minimum. Um, so I'm actually a guest lecturer at Bard College next week talking about podcasts. So this is going to give me an opportunity to kind of bootstrap this. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Anything you do, podcasting is a very good medium right now for anyone. Um, if you're thinking of it like a business or how to monetize something and you don't already have the thing that is going to be monetized, if you're just like, I'll monetize this podcast, like you're probably in for a rude awakening because to build an audience from zero is very difficult. Um, But if you know people and you can kind of get a leg up, which is easier to do these days, what I would say is this is like, don't think about any of that stuff. Just do something you would want to hear that you think you can do. Even if you think you can't do it, imagine yourself being able to do it and do it. Just, you got to try. There's, I wouldn't think about, 
if I look out in the world and I say, you know what, there's so much good music out there, I shouldn't even try. I never would have made songs that just like I know are objectively amazing. You know what I mean? And neither would have anyone else. If David Bowie looked out in the world, if David Byrne looked out in the world and they said, oh my God, Beethoven, Mozart, I can't do that. I mean, I'm not going to beat that, you know, but they don't give it, they go, you know what, this shit is inside of me. I need to express it out in the world. Therefore, I'm going to do it. And they did it and they did it in an amazing way that changed the lives of their lives first and foremost and the lives of everyone else. And it's expressed Mm -hmm. outwardly. That's them. So that's what podcasting should be. Now, in terms of format and all that stuff, I am fond of what we're doing, which is interview style, because I think as a human being, it teaches you how to be transparent and authentic. Um, And that is an important skill for everyone in this day and age. And then, you know, there's so many ways to do it though. You could pick a topic, you could pick, you know, a type of person or a situation. It's, I I do see it as a medium that will continue to grow, but I think I also look at it kind of like, you know, Spotify or YouTube. Like there's going to be a lot of people who are just doing it because they don't know why. And, but if you do have your intention of what you want it to be, I mean, you can also be vague. Like you could just like, if you really believe you can be like a top 125 podcaster and you, you use techniques, these imaginal techniques and you do this and you believe it, it'll happen. And I don't mean like you'll have a shitty podcast and you'll be top 100. It just means that you will naturally start expressing the things that need to happen. Like here, I'll give you the best example. I used to be, I'm not great at it, but I used to be fucking terrible at Instagram, like objectively awful. But about a month and a half ago, I started like caring a little bit more. So I started doing these tarot readings and I started putting up like my episodes and just started putting a little more care and attention into it. I didn't know why. I just like, I could sense. Then all the Instagram followers started to come because I was on Duncan's podcast and just shit started clicking on mine and other people. And so all of a sudden I'm not, (laughs) I'm not great at Instagram, but I don't suck. And I, and two, three months ago, the idea of not being terrible at it was like a pipe dream. Mm. What I mean to say is like, if you imagine yourself being, a great podcaster and that's really a passion and desire and you believe it, you'll just start doing those things naturally. It won't feel forced. So that's my advice for anything in life, but podcasting in particular. Creating that image of seeing yourself doing well and believing that it's, it's, it's coming to you, right? Yeah. Should we go over the actual technique? Yeah. I think, I think people are curious. Yeah. If you got a few, they're like, how do you, how do you control reality? (laughs) Is he going to let us know or are we just going to, dance around it no, yeah yeah give us a few few steps of uh, the process yeah you can go to my website and enroll in my ten thousand dollar course yeah i <laughs> i don't i made a strong commitment right at the beginning when all this stuff started bubbling up that i'm never going to charge for any of the imagination stuff like i have stuff i charge for like i do tarot readings i'm gonna start incorporating astrology stuff but like the imagination stuff these are the keys to you this is the keys to the universe which is you to charge for those to me doesn't sit with me. I can't do that. So here's the techniques. They're always free. I talk about them every week on my podcast. I, there's probably like 10 or 12 of them now, but I'll go over the main one that worked for me. Um, so first step took me 35 years. You need to find something you really want and pick it. <laughs> You're doing it anyway, but really take the time. And, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be anything, but just find something you want while you're awake. As you go to sleep at night, you're looking for this liminal boundary between going to sleep and sleep. Some people call it twilight sleep. Um, It's just this drowsy-like state, uh, what Neville Goddard refers to as a state akin to sleep. It's this in-between state. We're all familiar with it. We do it every night. And you don't have to be going to sleep at night. You can do this whenever. Not a holy state. You don't have to be meditating and eating a certain way or exercising, feeling a certain way. You just have to find the state there. Then you go back to the thing you want, your desire, your wish, and you create a very short and compact scene imaginally. And I'll I'll give a variation because there are some people who can't do that. They can't uh, visually imagine things. So you can do this if you can't do that. You can use audio and I'll tell you how. But visually, you create a very short and compact scene. You load that scene up with sensory vividness and the feeling. And so what is the scene? The scene is something that directly follows 
your desire being fulfilled, the wish being fulfilled. So for instance, I use an example that does not apply to me, so I don't by accident <laughs> create something in my subconscious. Let's say I wanted uh, a 20% raise at a nine to five job that I worked at. What I would imagine is a friend hugging me or shaking my hand and saying, congratulations on the raise. And then me saying, yeah, thanks. And feeling how I would feel if That's that were to be true. That's the key. Feeling is the secret. And so when your mind wanders, this is a very short scene, that may be like five seconds tops. When your mind wanders, snap it back to the scene. When you start expanding the scene and thinking how you're going to spend all the money and whatever, snap it back to that scene. Eventually what will happen is you'll go to sleep and that's it. And you'll wake up the next day and maybe you feel different and maybe you don't. If you don't feel different, you still have the same urge for the desire, you can do it again. But eventually when you really feel it, you'll notice your state of consciousness changes. You'll feel like you actually have the thing. You'll notice the desire has shrunk significantly. It'll still be there kind of like a light fragrance that you're carrying around, like, but you'll know that it's going to be expressed. I also tell people not to take extra steps in this world to make it happen because your logical mind is prone to jump in and be like, oh, well, it happened because you did this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. So don't do that. It's not a passive thing. So like if you want to be a successful musician, you still make the songs, but don't like call that extra guy and try to get that extra connect. You don't have to do any of that because what happens is your imagination, this deeper aspect of your being literally just puts this into play and it's expressed and it's expressed to the degree that you believe it. And you can do cool things. Like you can stamp time and days and months and seasons into these sensory scenes and it will happen in those things but you have to believe it and you have to feel it um it's foolproof it works all the time and i'll go over the audio one just for people because sometimes they they don't they can't do the imagining with the visuals a really effective technique is doing the same thing same state get into the same state any point you can do this during the day in a chair and just drowsy like state and imagine a friend's voice telling you what you want to hear so if you wanted that job, you imagine your friend's voice, your best friend or a family member saying, wow, it's so great. You got that job. I'm so happy for you. And just use them. You're essentially using them like an angel. They're a messenger of the good word. They're telling you what's happening. And that for some people is very easy. And there's something about the modality of voice and sound in this time and linear time that's very effective, which is why podcasting and other things like yes. that are effective. Um, that is very effective too. The whole thing is these techniques are just tricks essentially to get you to feel how you want to feel. Yeah, I do a very similar one, especially the voice one. And what I, what I do, and this is interesting, you might want to try, oh, is re record your own voice telling yourself how amazing it is right now. Like, oh, I just got that raise at 20%. It's amazing. Like, I, I, I feel so great. So you record yourself in the future. So you're tricking yourself listening to yourself. It's like just subliminally reprogramming. And, yeah. and for me, it was like super effective. So it makes sense. It's like like that, imagining. <laughs> that's essentially what my podcast is. Because what I noticed is like, I used to, I usually don't like to go back and listen to podcasts I recorded. So like, it's, I don't need to. But I found myself when I started really doing this, I would go back and listen to the episodes because I needed to hear the real wisdom of what was being said. And that's mm. when I realized not only is this true because I'm accepting it, but this means for other people, they're hearing the same thing. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's an amazing technique that I think in this day and age is something that wasn't accessible when these techniques were being conceived. With your phone, it's so yeah. simple. Yeah. It's so simple. A voice note every day in the car, you're riding to work, you're just listening to this, this future oh, reality that's coming to you. That's really smart, dude. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it ties right in with everything. And you can even listen to yourself before going to bed. If you have trouble visualizing, you just hit that play button on your headphones and it's talking to yourself about this reality that's coming to you. I think right. for people who have strong senses of self and trust themselves, that'll work. But I do think like, if you know, the Seinfeld episode where George Costanza gets the audio book and it's his voice and he hates it. I do think that for some people, their own voice, if they have negative associations with it might that's why I say the friend's voice. Cause like most people, like when you love a friend or a family member, it does, you could, you could also just overtly tell your friends, you know, to do it, but I don't, I wouldn't do that. But there's something, but there's something with getting comfortable with your own voice. For oh, me, so it was a process. When I started recording uh, in the beginning here myself, it was so uncomfortable, 
But I think it was because of self-doubt, you know, like all these negative feelings I had towards myself. And when I kept listening, I'd get more comfortable with it. It's like, hey, you know, I'm not that bad. You know, it was like almost like I was was reprogramming myself and now I'm comfortable with it. So I I don't know. Yeah, I I, I totally get what you're saying. And and it's interesting. So for me, I'm an experimenter. So like, I'll try all these things. Like some of the stuff you just said, like I've never done it in that specific way. I'm going to try it because that's the only way I'll figure it out. Well, I will say this. The one thing that I haven't been saying yet, because I just don't think it's totally necessary all the time, but if you start using these techniques, you need to be prepared for your world to completely flip upside down. Mm-hmm. Like, and that sounds wonderful, but you can't go back really until you understand that you consciously can go back and you won't understand that until you deal with the ramifications of having your world flipped so true and uh, the, what i want to add to that and it's it, well i guess it's just supporting that is that sometimes to get to where you want to go you might have to lose a lot of things you have now you might you might not like if you want a different life you might have to lose your job and mm-hmm. and going through that process will be super painful you'll you'll be you'll be saying why me what did i do i'm going backwards but it can, in the lo- it can be here's can the truth here's the truth for the next three months in linear time, getting better at understanding linear time, I usually bash it. People are resetting their karmic balances to zero. And that looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different people. So I do agree for the next three months that achieving states in your dreams may seem like losing your job and it's uncomfortable. However, when this shit clicks in, for real, for everyone, most people, a lot of people, it's a choice of whether you want that to be uncomfortable or not. You mm-hmm. can actually seamlessly switch. Now, it doesn't mean the work doesn't have to be involved in the circumstances to unfold in a different way, but they can. And that's why when getting back to the control versus agency thing, like I do use the word control. It's not micromanaging your life. You don't, you don't ever, one thing I want to be clear with these imaginal techniques is you don't think of the means. If you notice with the technique, it's something that followed your wish being fulfilled. You don't think of how you're going to do it. When you find yourself doing that, you're fucking up. The fun part is putting the signpost for the destination in the ground, knowing it's going to happen and then saying, whatever happens. But if you do the feeling at the end where you go, wow, that happened in the perfect way. And I feel so great. And it mm-hmm. wasn't hard. Okay. Inevitably, that is what will be expressed. Now, again, going back to what we said, like, sometimes you want to go through the shit because you get to appreciate it that much more. Like, it's, it's totally up to you. It depends your thresholds. For I'm usually a sucker for punishment. That's been just the story of my life. But <laughs> I, I never like, like it when I, I always appreciate it after. <laughs> I always appreciate it after. Um, yeah. And, and one thing that just keeps coming up, the more you say the word imaginal, um, is it reminds me of the imaginal cells of the butterfly. It's, it's that process of when a butterfly goes into that sleep state, um, these imaginal cells come out of nowhere. And, um, I wonder that the butterfly must be dreaming. Like there's, there's no way it's not. Um, but those imaginal cells start eating all the old cells and create this like imaginal soup. And um, they come and they band together and it just reforms into this new butterfly or this new caterpillar with wings that's totally transformed and then can fly with, with no fear. Like it just opens its wings and says, okay, now I can fly. And it's, it's, it's interesting. The, the process and you know, that, that sort of um, technique is so transformative and it's, I don't know if the words were intentionally like that or if they're- hey, here's the thing. This is a weird concept because people look at animals and they say, you know, there's clearly these animals have souls. And I'm not discounting the fact that they may, but everything is you pushed out. So when we see something like a butterfly or our dogs or like some amazing animal, it's not that we go, that's us, who cares? It's like, wow, this is a metaphor for some process that we do alchemically towards realizing what's going on. This is something I've been really tapping into the past couple of weeks is, and the Bible really helped me with this, is not looking at things literally and overtly, but looking for the truths that are hidden below the surface and metaphorically. And when you can start looking at the world like that, when it serves you, when it's appropriate to do so, you start learning a lot about the nature of your mind, of reality. And so I, I look at butterflies and all other animals as reflections of my state of consciousness. And I noticed this, like when I got up and my dog is barking, there's some aspect that's going on there that's like, hey, 
hey, hey, hey. And that's me. So I'm like, all right, I have to get up, place my dog away. You know, like there's before if my dog was doing something like that, I'd get mad at him. I'm like a dog for barking. I'd be like, shut up. And it's like, that's me. It's just, that's how I'm dealing with myself. So now I put the dog in the other room. It's going to be. Yeah, a, a friend of mine is, is the same awakening story where he would wake up and one day he hears the birds chirping and he's like, shut the fuck up. And he shuts the window and he's like, what am I doing? Like the birds are they're singing and I'm just like. Three little so, birds. Yeah. The reflection. And that was his, he was in a dark place, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to allow people to, to try to recognize um, that awareness of everything around you is sort of a reflection of your internal state. So it yeah, is. put so beautifully. Thank you. Uh, really appreciate that. Got two more questions. Cause yeah. we're getting to that hour mark now. Um, one is about being a dad. So I'm also a dad. You've got a lot going on. Um, you're, you're an entrepreneur. You're running a, um, um, this podcast network, business guy. Um, I guess if you want to call yourself a business guy, but you are in business. Um, how do you balance that? And what record, what, how would you, okay, so let me reframe the question. A lot of guys that I know at, at our state or thinking about having kids think it's going to end their life and they can't do what they want to do or they want to give up all of their endeavors because they have kids because they feel like they need to stop everything. So how do you do it? And what would you say to those people who are want to do more than just be a dad and be inspired? Uh, decide what you want and do it and be clear with your partner and understand that if you had a different version of what your lives were going to look like or what it was going to be, you have to be clear and communicative when you make that decision that it's not going to be like that. I basically told, I barely do business stuff anymore, dude. I do my podcast. I make music all the day. I have conversations with people. Um, that's pretty much what I'm doing these days. I've never had more time. We just had another kid. My wife has caught the brunt of raising a you know, now almost a three month old. And we have a toddler who just started a new school. I was very clear when I started to wake up, I told her I've been, you know, she works and I was not a stay at home dad, but I was responsible for dropping off and picking up and dinners and all those things while I was doing all this other shit. And I was miserable. Basically, I was frustrated. I was internally upset about the dynamic of the relationship and everything, but I was still doing it. So when I started to wake up, I was just like, listen, here's the deal. I'm taking a year. It's probably going to be more than a year, but I knew I would only need a year. She knows this too. Um, to basically, you have to treat me like a businessman. It's going to look like I'm not doing business at all. It's going to look like I'm going to places and talking to people and making music and recording podcasts, but the money's going to be there. So you're going to see that. So don't worry about that. And you need to treat me like I'm a high powered Wall Street guy who has to go overseas sometimes to make money. And she doesn't like it, and, but she's getting comfortable with the idea because as she sees that my commitment to that is not just like a hedonistic, Noah's going to do whatever the fuck he wants situation. I'm still present in my children's lives and I plan to be and I love my kids so much. But I know for me at this period in my life, what I'm building, what I'm laying the foundation for and what I'm actually doing every day is immensely important, not only for my own sense of fulfillment, but for my families and for the people who are outside of my family. So I'm comfortable with that. And it does sometimes create tension and friction spots in our relationship. But that's just like, I look at that as me and my partner's dynamic for working on our own shit. And it's not always comfortable. And there are many other aspects that come with it, you know, especially a relationship with children and significant partners. But um, dude, it, what I'm saying to people is like, your life is what you make it. If you're honest with yourself about what you want and you can communicate that clearly to those around you, it'll work out. It'll work out. Did That's your it. drive change when you had kids? Were you more inspired to do well or did you say, oh, this is tough. I want to give up and change, get a job, nine to five, like anything no, I around that? After that. I, I, I applied to a few jobs at various points in the past few years because obviously having a child is a massive sense of responsibility. Um, one time when I started doing that, I got into Bitcoin really early and crypto started to boom in 2017. So I didn't have to worry about that. Um, and then the other time I did it, I just was like saying like, I don't want to be afraid of a nine to five. I don't want it, but I, I won't be afraid. Like I won't resist it. So I applied. And then that happened like right before all this other shit started to happen. So I, I moved, I didn't resist it, but I know deep in my heart, I was never going to have, dude, I'm impossible to have a nine to five. Like it's just impossible. I smoked so much weed. I fucking, 
talking about this shit all day long. I'm making music or I go crazy. I need like the flexibility of my own schedule. So I basically decided before I knew anything, this shit about imagination is that like, I will do whatever the fuck I have to do to not have that type of profession. I, that's all I know is I will do whatever the fuck I have to do. And with kids, that's obviously amplified because it's not just you anymore. So like, Oh, I'll just go live in like a hot, like a shack or something. It's mm-hmm. like, no, I want my kids to have a great life, go to like a nice private school and all these other things. So like, you know, you just have to reconcile again, a lot of this stuff. Here's the truth with guys and like marriage and kids and or women too. You're just being pussies. Like if you want it and you know you want it, but you're afraid of it because you're afraid of the responsibility, that's a microcosm for waking up to who you really are. It's just mm-hmm. the same situation being boiled down to like, I don't, I don't want that. It's like, well, you already are God. So you're already creating your entire world. So if you just want to like materialize a child and like care for it and love it, you're going to be fine if you know what else you want. Mm-hmm. If you don't, that's all what people are saying. Like, and it's cool to not want kids. It's totally cool. But you have to say, I know I don't want kids. Mm-hmm. If you're not sure either way, then you're just kind of like, you're just deferring the problem. And it, it probably is creating quite a bit of tension inside. Mm-hmm. Great answer. Last question. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wish that I had? <sighs> no, you asked really, really really good questions um trying to think about is there anything else i want to say um, and just just why don't you just share what you're working on now and how people can can touch with that if nothing else comes up yeah um you know syncpodcast.com is the website my podcast is synchronicity i am essentially building that as a platform that's going to serve a lot of other things. I also have MindPod Network. The YouTube channel there has a lot of really good talks. um, And that's going to be turning into something much more powerful too soon. And I just want people to remember that they can do whatever they want while I'm doing all this other stuff. Like what I really am doing with my life is I'm making an album right now. Like I finally just stepped into being and I went to college for it. I fought it my whole life, but like that's, The biggest, here's what I wanted to say. The biggest imaginal act that had the most profound change on my consciousness in every single way is I wished clearly and decisively that I would meet my creative potential and express it. That was not a mistake, but I did not know what I was doing when I did that. So just be aware when you say things like that, if like what that could potentially do to your life, but it's the best I've ever felt in my entire life. Like the effortless ease in which music comes out. And then even when it doesn't, like there's a little block when you just push through it for a little bit right on the other side is like even better than when you could have imagined. Like just be creative. That's, that's more than anything related to me. Just like everyone, just be creative. That's another, you asked the question before, why are we human? It's definitely to be creative. Creative, hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, albums coming out when you have you have oh, a date yet? I have nine demos. I know it's coming out in twenty twenty. Um, it's a pop album, and then I have some club stuff and some instrumental stuff following. So Pro- cool. Yeah, it's really fun. You're such an interesting guy, man. I'm I'm really glad we had this talk. Thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your wisdom, experiences, um, advice, and I hope if you're listening. Um, you know, like, like Noah said earlier, when he heard the name Neville Goddard, something went off inside of him. So if you listen to this podcast and one thing you said, you felt this resonance, you felt a feeling in your chest, like that's the thing you should go look into, um, and take that piece of, of whatever that word means to you and just research it and see how it comes up. And that, those are the things that are going to change your life. Um, and that's, that's your intuitive guide that's, that's pointing that GPS saying, Hey, here's something for you go after that. So um, thank you for bringing that to our attention, all this stuff. I'm excited to start practicing um, some of these imaginal techniques that you shared with us. And um, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Whenever. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Have a great day and uh, we'll chat soon. Peace, man.